morning, good morning. And good morning to all you lovely listeners at home to yet another episode of the podcast that we entitle, David. What's that smell? You think it again. That is the correct title. Very exciting. How you doing, Dave? Doing all right, Connor. How you doing? I am doing well. Um, I It has been a very exciting summer, you know, vacation and all that cool stuff. Um, but I'm ready to lax. I'm ready to hop back into the podcast. Uh, Absolutely. Stuff. How how you been doing, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. You know, it's been super hot. Yeah. Uh, just you know, working, working stuff like that. You know, typical summer things. Yeah, it's all what all the cool kids are doing. Um, it's exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Yeah, it's also been hot here. Um, today is the hottest day. Uh, as a recording, today's the hottest day of the week. Um, but eventually, in a couple, I think like. Five, four or five days it's gonna go back to the highs of like 83 so like <laughs> we're, we're we're in the fluctuation period right now right yeah i don't know how wisconsin's looking but that's illinois's temper temperature layout for the next couple of days it's similar it's similar you know there's, there's some people who come to this episode and they're like they live in like you know kentucky or something and they're like huh you know that the weather up there must mean we'll get it sometime soon thank you for updating <laughs> me <laughs> right someone appreciates it uh anyways um, so last week, or not last week, last month, technically, we did an episode on Evangelion. We talked about it as a show, um, and I, we, I got such resounding criticism as you should really watch the movie. That's basically what everyone told me in response to this episode. So, we did. <laughs> I went and rewatched the movie. Or, not rewatched, watched it for the first time. So now, y'all can shut up, and I can say that I've actually seen the movie and the show now. Um, and I thought... It would be interesting to dive into it, talk a little bit about what makes it work, if it's better or worse than the show, what does it do, is it good, or is it just like the first, just like the show and kind of overrated. <laughs> so David, are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. All right. Uh, I want to ask you first, David, what are your thoughts on the film overall before we dive into mine? Uh, yeah, it's... it's... It's a weird movie. Um, I mean, anyone who's seen it, I think, can can agree um, on that. It's it's a, it's a trip. It's a trip. Um, and I, I think a a big notable difference uh, in in this movie versus uh, you know the the series is that the ending is different. And I, I'm sure we'll get the the ending and the differences later on. Um, but that's 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 a huge huge difference. Um, between this movie and the actual series and um you know the debate between like you know should we think of this series as like a continuation of of the series um or is this movie kind of like a you know a, a stand a standalone thing that you know it, it exists in in the neon genesis universe because if, if you're familiar with uh the neon genesis uh, franchise, um, there are multiple movies that don't really um, connect to the series. Um, more or less, they exist in like a, a, a different universe almost. Um, true multiverse of madness. Right, 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 right. Um, so I feel like that's almost up to debate. Personally, I like to think that. Um, it, it's it's connected um but then you think about the ending it's like eh, well it's it's almost like a opposite message of, of what the series was going for at the end um uh, i think i think the movie 
um, did a, you know, a decent enough job at, I don't know, kind of giving us some sort of uh, conclusion as to uh, the characters. I, I know it's, I know to a lot of people who have seen this, it's probably not the most satisfying of conclusions, or some people might even think that they can't even really find a conclusion uh, in this movie. Um, personally, I, I did. Um, I thought that every character was concluded. Um, now, I, I don't think they were all concluded well or like in a satisfactory way that you typically see, you know, in a movie. Um, you know, if, if you're thinking of this movie as being like the definitive ending of the Evangelion series, no, you, you won't be satisfied whatsoever with um, what, what the movie or the show, you know, really has in store for, for an ending, for being, for feeling satisfied uh, with, with what you really have. So, you know, we got that. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's the same characters. They, you know, they, they, for the most part, act the same. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I think and that's really, really it. I mean, Connor, what are your thoughts? Okay, yeah, I get you. Um, I'll be honest, I'll be 100% agree with y'all. Uh, I enjoyed this quite a bit, and I think this is much better than the show. I think this this ending resolved a lot of the stuff that, a lot of the problems I had with the original show, the biggest of which being my big complaint from last episode, which was the show didn't need to choose between being introspective and being a story, because it did both. And I think it did do it satisfyingly enough. It does kind of pose the question of why didn't you do this before? But I'm not going to dwell on that too much. I hear there was some external stuff that caused it to not work that way. But I will admit I do kind of wish this was just the ending of the show and not a movie. I think it would have made the show feel, the show's actual ending feel less obsolete. But I think as a movie, it actually stands alone. It, st it stands pretty well. It's a very well done film that I think does a great job of understanding why the show originally worked and why the things that didn't work didn't and rectified those things. I think it knew what it wanted to do coming in and with, and kind of fixed it with surgical precision. I think they did that pretty well. And all things considered, the, the, the way that it kind of... It, it feels like both a retcon and a... A continuation is extremely hard to do but they figured it out which i'm impressed with um it's not perfect there are things that do bug me and i think you kind of alluded to it before uh there are things that i think weren't as resolved as the show wanted you to think they were but i think the show or the movie stands on its own pretty well uh, i shouldn't say that you obviously need to watch the show first but i mean like as a conclusion i think it works a lot better than the, the original conclusion because it feels like it's concluding something in a way that feels in tune with the show. It doesn't feel like a 180, which the show is so often does does so often. Um, I think it did a pretty good job. Um, I liked it. And that is going to be where I think the spoilers stop, because I think, uh, or the non-spoilers stop. We're going to now go into spoilers. Because I think the meat of this movie, like the stuff that we could talk about that isn't spoilers is kind of the stuff that doesn't matter. Like, there's not much else to right. talk about. The stuff that matters is the spoilery stuff. Uh, it's it's kind of like the show itself. There's a lot of meat in this movie that 
that I'm, I appreciate that they continued, but ultimately, of course, does not matter. Um, but, or it doesn't matter as much as the show, as most other shows would, would have it be. So, I think we got to talk about some spoilers. But, David, I want to pose a theory to you. Uh, a theory that I think makes the series and the movie better. And I want to, I only want to pose this to you now because I want to, as we continue to talk, I want to kind of have our discussion help me piece together this theory better. And it all uh-huh. comes to, of course, the, the, the moments that kick-started this theory was that portion at the end where it's in live action. Remember that? With, like, yeah. It's to, like, live action scenes. I think this series is about an actual real-life kid in reality, essentially creating a fantasy world in his head where he's needed and loved to avoid the fact that he is not happy with his life. Like, it's all just a fiction in his head. And as the series goes on, more of his insecurities kind of blend into his fantasy world where things in the fantasy world start to kind of expose the fact that he is still a flawed person no matter how much he wants to deny it. And this whole ending being essentially his fantasy world crumbling as reality tries to remind him that in the end, you can't escape the reality that you have, no matter how unhappy you are with it. Um, I think that's the that's the vibe I got from this ending. It feels like the end it feels like the end to what someone wanted it to be in the beginning of something they didn't want. Not the creators itself, but a character. And I think that honestly makes the story and the show actually better. Which annoys me because everybody says that the movie makes the show better, but I'm annoyed that it actually did. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, like, it would explain a lot of problems that I had with the show, like the 180 turn from being a show about Monster of the Week to an actual introspective character piece, because obviously it's implying that the, that's when the reality started to blend into his fantasy world. It would explain why the last two episodes of the show and the ending of the movie are basically just a conversation with himself because this all takes place in his head. It would explain why a lot of characters stopped being characters and became more like vessels to kind of influence Shinji because, of course, this is all supposed to be in his head. Um, it would explain a couple of other inexplicable moments. The, 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 the scene at the end of season of the show when it cuts to like that alternate reality where like, you know, uh, Asuka is, is Shinji's childhood friend and the family's all normal because that would be, of course, what reality actually is and it's Shinji trying to figure out why he isn't happy with it which is kind of the whole shtick of the show being like, why aren't you happy with the world around you and why do you run away from your problems? That kind of thing. I like that. I think that theory or that mentality it makes me like the show more but obviously I can't confirm if that's actually what it was about because, you know, it's a theory and I don't think he's ever told you what it's about, but if it is supposed to be about an actual real life kid and the show is a fiction within the world, then that explains a lot more of the things that bugged me. And I'm more, I, I, I would, it still would make me not want to watch the show again, but it at least makes the show feel intentionally, uh, intentionally a little tonally inconsistent what do you think sure i mean i i i see what you're saying and like it it was definitely a thought that crossed my mind Mm -hmm. um when when i was watching the movie um it, it just all 
made sense, but I think a little too much sense. <laughs> like, 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 like it just kind of, kind of just like worked out too well. Like, oh, like here's this scene in the movie that almost kind of makes the show and this movie make sense. Right. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I think, I think it's entirely possible that that could be the case uh, for this for this series, um, but one I think it's you know up to interpretation and, to, and right. up to like how how you as an audience member want wants to interpret like the movie and the in the series as a whole. Um, also, I, I just think that the series is just a bit more nuanced and complicated than that. There's there are a lot of like elements and plot points that like I feel like are outside of shinji's control um like outside of like what what he would deem as like a a fantasy like i don't know like like the whole like concept of of like the angels and and you know ray and you know because you remember how like ray um in the movie kind of uh like is absorbed into uh the big like white creature Lilith thing. Yeah. Right. And then she sort of, uh, you know, turns the entire world into um, like the LCL, uh, like liquid thing, which I think like in, within the neon Genesis world um, is what every single person um, is made out of. So basically um, in the instrumentality project, it's, uh, combining like every soul um on earth and in, into one essentially um basically losing your individuality um i don't know in, in that sense i feel like that's that's almost out outside of shinji shinji's head and his in his control um and then i don't know i would actually i don't know like, like i said it, it, just, it, just, it makes it makes too much sense for that to be the case, you know. Well, I, would like, actually, I would actually argue the all the people being liquefied and turned into one, kind of almost, or you know, liquefied and de-individualified, almost plays in more to it being in his head, because it shows a complete disregard for the real world and like how things work. Like if this were in his head, like essentially the character he made up for Ray, who in I guess if you're sticking with my theory would be, of course, just a person at, his, at, her, at Shinji's school. Like, it's just essentially the, the version of her that he made up in his head essentially obliterated any sort of fantasy world and completely just tuned out reality, turned people into mush. Not, there's not a single individual in his head. He essentially dehumanized everyone and created this world where he thinks he can be happy because there's literally no one to tell him he's not, you know? Like, sure. I think sure. the the feeling of it being out of his control is less is less about him being in control and more about him realizing he's not. Um, if we're yeah. sticking to that theory, which of course, yeah, you know, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think the show is so committed to being nonsensical in a way that an, an a resolving and all answering ending does kind of take away from what it was going for. So, yeah, I agree right. with you. I think trying to say this is the definitive what they were going for is ultimately meaningless. That being said, I'm going to stick to that, the idea of my theory, because my theory allows me to 
forgive the show a little bit easier for the stupid stuff that it pulled last season or during the show, which we talked about in the last episode. Right. Yeah. Uh, kind of, there is something I I do want to bring up. Um, something, something that I noticed and I thought about, Mm -hmm. um, something that I don't know if you've noticed or not, or something you just overlooked. Um, the, the importance of female characters in the, in the series and movie um, if you notice that, you know, Shinji spends, you know, prim- primarily of his time, you know, around Misato, Rei, Asuka, you know, three big, you know, female figures in his life that ultimately influence, um, you know, what he does and, and how he acts. Mm-hmm. And um, they they almost act as if, like... Okay, so just like if, if you notice how the female characters act versus the male characters, the male characters almost take the the idea of of the male of male dominance and kind of flip it on its head with with it kind of being um, you know their failure. If if you think about you know Gendo or you know the the guys at like on top, you know. Like, you know, they had all the power. They were dominant, right? They ran everything. But ultimately, like, in the end, they ended up running things into the ground and, and failing. Um, while, in contrast, the, the female characters ended up, like, almost, um, you know, saving the day, you know, having almost a heroic uh, savior figure to them, uh, which you don't typically see... Um, in media too often it's usually the male characters who are always saving the day or you know yeah you know having their dominance being um a a saving factor um in said media um so i i think it's interesting how like that that male dominance uh plays plays the downfall of of these characters uh while you know the female you know introspect uh is, is almost like a savior kind of thing. Kind of what do you think? Yeah. Um, I guess it kind of leads into another point that I had to think about with this movie. Uh, this movie is really horny. <laughs> like the movie itself is a lot more sexual than the show was, which I don't know. It's a very strange idea, right? Cause like, obviously yes, the show, the girl characters in the show were always the most powerful characters. That was always kind of the thing. Like Shinji, was never the best in his mech. Like, they treated him like he was, but he ultimately never truly succeeded as well as Asuka and, um, and Ayanami, right? Ayanami. <laughs> um, like, both of them were ultimately better suited for running the, the Evas than Shinji was. And yeah, like, that absolutely is kind of an aspect of the show. The idea of, like, the girl, the women characters being a lot more suited to be successful in this universe than the guy characters did, which is interesting. On the other hand, this show, especially in the movie, gets really, really sexual with the characters. A lot more so than the, sh- than the show did. Like, everything from the opening scene, which is just, I don't know why they did that at all, uh, to the uh, just the, the overall antithesis moments of the show being a lot more centered on the relationship between Shinji and each of the women characters. Not that I'm saying it's sexist, because it's not, but to me, it's a very strange approach. I think 
a lot of it comes down to being these are the women in his in Shinji's life that have influenced him the most, and it's him kind of re- like kind of grapple with the fact of like how do I see these people, you know, like do I see them as a person or do I see them as you know an object of desire kind of thing? There's this weird kind of like Shinji's messed up brain kind of trying to piecing together what exactly he's how exactly he sees people, which is cool. I don't know. Like I said, like as we mentioned before, the show gets very introspective, and it's, and the movie too, especially near the end, gets extremely introspective, and the character kind of talking with himself. And I think with the approach to female characters as a story, I think is pretty awesome in terms of making the female characters feel like they're very they're very in, you know, involved and very you know impressive characters that don't necessarily get bound by a lot of the stereotypes that female characters get, especially in action properties. But sure. on the other hand, I just, it's, it's a very strange approach where almost, I think it kind of picks both. It picks the, the traditional, more, you know, guy centered view of the girls being the objects of desire while also having them be multifaceted and a little more involved. It's a very, it, it rides the line, which I find kind of interesting. If that makes any sense. I hope I'm not, I don't want to seem like I'm trying to uh, demean strong female characters in media. Like Jesus, no. But that's kind of the vibe I got. It's a little odd. But I do yeah. kind of wish they did not have that first scene in the movie. <laughs> I, I get yeah. why they did it, but man, that's gross. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk about that first scene for a second. Sure. Um, so keep in, keep in mind, we, would, we do kind of want the show, this podcast, to be a little more centered to everybody. So right, tread right. lightly. I, 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 I kind of just want to talk about like, what it represents rather sure. than like going into detail about it. Um. So, this, uh, in, in the first scene, um, so it's, 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 a it's just, it's the scene where, um, you know, Shinji, uh, and Asuka, uh, Asuka is in, in the hospital and, um, Shinji is, you know, there, uh, with her and, you know, he, he performs some acts that, you know, aren't the most appropriate Unsafe for is the word I would use. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not, not the best, um, for what, what, what the situation was. Um, or and I, 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 guess, just, I don't think that's justifiable in any situation. So yeah. no, no, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not. Um, and, and I really think, um, the, the reason why this, this scene is important or like why it even matters um, is to just, I guess, almost be as a reminder to us um, how flawed Shinji is mm-hmm. as, as a person. One um, my, my, my roommate, um, Jake, uh, a- after the series ended and before he watched the movie, um, I-, I almost think that Jake had a, a glorified opinion on Shinji um seeing him seeing him as like uh his perfect little depressed boy oh he was Um, not perfect not even a little bit he was a tool no i mean not like not not no i get what you mean absolutely yeah yeah like like, some someone that he can he can relate to right he's literally me yeah exactly he's 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 that kind of guy uh something that you can put yourself into um while at this movie like when in the first scene of this movie it almost destroys that perception 
of him, you know, like it, it makes him seem even worse of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because he is, I think he's always been, you know, that crappy of a person, but it, it we, we just never really realized it, you know, just yeah. like how, how, how weak he is, how weak minded he is as an individual. Um, because he can never pull himself to confronting Asuka about his feelings towards her or really pull himself to express his feelings towards anyone. Mm-hmm. So he has to do it in, in this, in this secret, you know, behind the door manner. That's, that's disgusting and gross because that's who Shinji is. He is disgusting and gross and, you know, not a good person. You know, he's, he's flawed, mm-hmm. you know, um, you, you can, you can, imprint whatever you want into him you know like he is he's very neutral um because you know he does have some merit he's done he's done some good things but he's also done some very crappy things as well um so that's that's kind of why i think this scene in particular is so important um to be a reminder that hey shinji is not perfect in any way yeah um, that actually kind of segues into a point I want to talk about with Shinji. I think Shinji's portrayal in this probably is my least favorite thing about this movie. Not necessarily damning or anything, because I still really enjoy the movie, and I think there's a lots of merit in Shinji's arc here. But the biggest problem I have is that the, the finale of Evangelion the show, I didn't realize just how well that captured his self-awareness of his issues and his, his willingness to understand it. Because Shinji, like, as we talked about last episode, right, Shinji is, feels very much like a self-insert, but a self-insert who's inherently messed up because of the way he was raised. There's a lot of issues that in his life that were never addressed because he never had someone to guide him past it. You know, a lot of his issues come in the fact that he's never had someone who cared about him enough to stand with him to say you're all right and the things that you, you know, the, the aspects of you that you hate aren't hateable. Like, you're not an awful person. I think that, like, that whole aspect of his character was kind of something that the show's finale addressed. It felt resolved in that way. It felt like he understood and accepted his flaws and was willing to do something about it, which gave him another level, right? With this movie, it's implicit that that ending either hasn't happened or doesn't happen at all, right? So this is continuing right after episode 24, where he, you know, he essentially murdered that, the last angel and, you know, all that. So that kind of takes away that level of resolve, right? So what's, what is left? Now you have, as you mentioned, this intro, intro scene that establishes him as still a very flawed and extremely you know, detestable character who spends about 50% of the movie moping. Yeah, like keep that in mind, dude. Like The scenes he's in until the end is him balled up. And he does. It, it, there are literally three instances where they or they trick you into thinking that he's better, and then instantly goes back to balling again. They do it three times, which I'm like, okay, stop faking us out. If you're gonna have him change, have him change. But like the movie's approach to his character arc is now instead of it being a resolve, it's more of, hey, let's keep showing you that he is afraid to change, which is fine. Like I get it. His whole arc is that he's a he's, he doesn't have that level of you know guidance, so. He shouldn't get over it that easily. I understand. But there's no alternative. So the rest of the show kind of, or the rest of the movie is still him being, you know, gross and unlikable and sad and dealing with internal issues. 
and ignoring the people who are trying to get him to grow, and then the movie ends. Like, I understand you don't necessarily need 100% resolve, but it doesn't feel like they posed any sort of alternative way to take care of Shinji's character. It almost feels like they didn't like that they gave him resolve, so they removed it. And granted, maybe that's because those last two episodes of the show are supposed to be after the movie. If that's the case, they should have, you know, set it up that way. It, instead of, like, it, I guess in our headcanon, we can establish that maybe he resolved himself in those last two episodes after the movie, but that's not really confirmed. So ultimately, I have to ask, why, what was the direction for Shinji's character now? Like, they've they essentially traded the resolve. They went like, okay, let's resolve the story. But now let's have Shinji's character kind of be a little more redundant and a little more repetitive. Like, now you get it. Like, the entire movie is now him being still flawed, being still looking for guidance, still looking for someone to take care of him. I'll admit they do kind of take it into a more relationship direction where he's dealing with his thoughts on the female characters, a little more introspective on his growing up, you know, since he didn't necessarily have someone to tell him what's morally right and morally wrong. So they do play with that. But ultimately, I just kind of, the vibe I got from Shinji's development is that rather than resolving it, they did this ending as leaving it more ambiguous, which I'm not really all for. I don't, like, it, obviously it's up to interpretation. It's up to, you know, personal preference. But to me, it doesn't feel like the show wanted to resolve him in a way that felt natural, which, <laughs> funny enough, the resolve at the end of the show was a little more natural than this. <laughs> as much as it kind of annoys me to say, because obviously that show is paced kind of wonkily. Yeah, like the, the show's ending resolved Shinji's character in a way that felt more real than this ending. And it's really conflicting. Because like there's stuff that the ending does really well. Like the whole movie is still really well done, but something about the way they did Shinji just feels feels like a backward step rather than a forward step it feels like this is like this is the wave of that retcon of retconning the ending this is like you start to feel the impact of it like yes you lose those yes you do get a lot of story resolve and you get a lot more you know of a conclusive ending that matches more of the introspective stuff and the story stuff better but on the other side of the spectrum you've now lost Shinji's Shinji's self-awareness like gave him another layer, right? To me, he feels a little more one one note. And I'll let you answer me and tell me why I'm wrong now, but just wanted to throw that out there. No, I I I think I think you yeah, I think you have a good point. Um I I kind of just want to ask you a question. Do it. Um so I think it's about time we ask the the big question mm -hmm. of uh like as 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 a as this movie as as a solo thing with without you know the the series really in mind mm -hmm. uh what do you think about the ending like how, how do you think it wraps up the movie i i i guess it's weird because as a it's not meant to be a satisfying resolve like we know that like the ending is basically the end of the world that's the impl implication so obviously it's not meant to be, oh, you know, blue skies, lollipops, and rainbows. Like, no, that's not what it's meant to be. So I can't necessarily be out here saying that it's the most satisfying ending in the world. But I think I like it a lot more than I give it credit for, because I feel like, aside from the Shinji stuff, 
it's a really great way of feeling like the show's actions had consequences. Where, like, the, the events of the show, or I shouldn't say the events of the show, but the even the events of the movie feel like they built up to something where the emotional and, phys, like, story parts kind of collided in this monstrous, you know, dynamic ending. With, of course, some amazing imagery and really awesome animation moments. Um, though a lot more flashing images than I really wanted. I don't, I don't need, you know, unwatchable goo in my face. But... Yeah, like, I think the ending did a really solid job of feeling in sync with the movie. It felt like a, a in all, in literal and metaphorical ways, like this, you know, crashing of different events just exploding until, you know, flaws and, you know, monstrous, uh, gross, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's an ending that screams anarchy in a way that is obviously meant to be, which I like, you know? It's cool. Um... In terms of character, it doesn't really resolve anything, so I can't talk about that. But I think overall, it's a pretty cool ending. I think kind of reminds me of the ending of 2001, where two, I won't spoil 2001's ending, but it feels very like this is a big deal moment, where it doesn't explain to you why it's important, but it feels important, you know? Yeah. I think it was pretty cool. Um, I don't get the significance of Shinji choking Asuka, I think maybe that's meant to be him still denying, his, still denying the fact that he wants that you know there's a world he's trying to reject. You know he's denying growth, he's denying change, maybe. But it's a weird image to end on. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's, that's another thing too. Like the show doesn't answer your life. Like, I'm the, unlike the shit, unlike the the show where I was a little annoyed they didn't answer questions. I think here the unanswered questions are a little more understandable but there are still things i'm kind of wish but i shouldn't say kind of wish there's still things that since they don't have answers i can't definitively say was satisfying or not so you know i don't really know what's up with that last image and you know i don't know it's, it was good i liked it what do you think what do you think yeah i i definitely agree with you that like even though i didn't really understand what was really going on um it, it it did feel pretty pretty big and important um since you know the world is kind of ending right um and you know that's that's always that's always an important thing um and i, I think i think the the scene where shinji chokes asuka um it, it's it's interesting it, it really, really is, um, because it, it's it's really just them. It's just them too, and it makes me wonder why them too. Why why Shinji and Asuka? Why not Shinji and Misato? Why not Shinji and Rei? Why not Shinji and Gendo? Why not Shinji and like literally anyone? You know why why is it Asuka? Um, and you know I always thought at first. Um, when when Shinji was choking Asuka, um, it, it was to really test to see um, if you know she was really awake because before that he was trying to you know wake her up, um, but then as you know he continues to choke her, um, he sees her you know her hand uh, raise up and, and touch him and then you know he you know lets off a little bit and. I I forget what the last line is, but I think she's like pathetic or something. I don't remember. Um, I think around that. <laughs> yes, he she insults him in some way, 
and then the movie probably ends. Baca. you know <laughs> yeah i know it's like it's like why 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 does it end like this is is like still to this day you know what i'm wondering you know like why why in like her her last words in the movie are are an insult to to shinji um is it to just like remind him that you know he's he's still a crappy person that he's still you know a weak-minded individual that you know the movie makes a full circle starts with shinji and asuka starts with shinji doing a terrible thing ends with shinji doing a terrible thing you know um from beginning to end you know he, he's a flawed individual no matter what you know he never really redeems himself in this movie um he kind of just uh exists um and and does things you know um which i don't know from from a from a consumer standpoint uh from someone who's you know consumed a lot of media um uh it's it's very unusual um to to really see a character who throughout the entirety of the series never really grows as as an individual kind of just stays static um especially you know them being uh, the main character um so yeah it, it's weird he never really gets stronger or really learns a lesson he, he's just kind of you know shinji and you know that's that i think maybe the ending probably is benefited by um having it take place before the last two episodes of the show i think to me i think i prefer that because if the implication is that right now Shinji is in some sort of limbo, which is kind of what they were implying because, you know, Shinji's there. He's, he's somewhere where he is now alone with Asuka. I think the I think having him kind of go in perspective like those two episodes are and basically deal with his, with his flaws and Asuka's flaws because both of those characters are addressed in that final two episodes, then, yeah, I would say that is a little more satisfying. I feel if I had to take a crack at it right now, what I feel like that ending kind of implied, Asuka and Shinji are essentially, like, the two of these characters were, like, the most real of the characters. They had the most established backstories. They had the most, I should say, I guess flaws, you could say. And I think if if I'm looking at it from the perspective of it being a character piece on Shinji, she is the character that has influenced him the most and he projects a lot of his flaws onto so i feel like that ending being this, the two of them still there kind of implies an unresolved if not a conflict then an unresolved like issue that they both need to address together which i think is aided a lot by that you know by the ending of the show um like i said shinji Shinji being kind of a tool and being very anti anti approaching his problems obviously would act aggressively to seeing Asuka there as it's still an unresolved problem, which might be why he was choking her. And then when, you know, he lets off a bit a little bit and she continues to antagonize him, it's because she also has unresolved baggage. And I think that's why that ending the the ending of the show kind of adds more to that. That being said, again, theoretical. Who knows? Maybe this is all a metaphor for, you know, Batman Begins being the best Batman movie. Who knows? 
Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who or knows? Or not Batman Begins. That'd be Batman Returns. Batman Begins came out after this came out. But you know what I mean. Like, there's a lot, obviously, to take in the show. Um, I want to ask you, David, how did you feel about their approach to Asuka in the movie? And, like, everything with her. Because she's not in the movie a ton, but she does have some pretty defining moments in the movie. So, what did you think? I mean... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Asuka in this movie, I think she represented what she needed. I, I think, um, uh, like similarly to how, what she represented in the show. Um, I, I think, I think it, you know, goes the same for, for the movie. Um, you know, as as kind of, I almost want to take a launching pad for Shinji, um, to to express his feelings, um, to to prompt him to to express his feelings more, um, because you know we're we're always seeing uh, Shinji and Asuka, you know, fighting and, and getting into quarrels and, and stuff like that, especially. Um, you know, uh, during during that uh, the kitchen scene, uh, in in the movie, I, I don't exactly remember what ha- what goes down what, what goes down, uh, in that scene. Well, that um, scene was but... just a, a rehash of or not rehash, but a an extended version of that scene in the show, when she wanted when she's like, "Hey, you want to kiss?" Like, I think that was more just in a continuation of that, but from his mental perspective, like it's. It's him being like, oh, man, this is what she actually should have said. And she got all mad at him for it and all that. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to trust you on that. <laughs> you don't remember that don't scene know. from the show? How was that? You don't remember that scene from the show? No, I, I, I do remember it. I just, I don't really remember the, the movie scene. Well, because, like, it starts out it. like that. But, like, I think it's, it is the same kitchen. So I feel like it is meant to be, like, his internal response to that. Where, like, you know, when in that scene, obviously, he kisses her and she freaks out and runs away. And then, in his head, he's, like, imagining what she should have reacted with. And then it becomes, like, him beating himself up over it and all that. I think. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. No worries. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, like I said, um, I, I think that... Um, you know, I, I thought she served her purpose well. Um, Connor, what do you think? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm mixed. On the one hand, I like I like that you got to see a really cool action scene with her. I think that scene with her at the beginning was awesome, where she's killing off all of the white 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 Avas. That was cool. Um, I think her story got resolved really fast. Like, the beginning where she suddenly is like, oh yeah, my mom's with me. She's been with me the whole time, and then she's fine. I don't love that. I think that seemed like a rushed response to her not getting the spotlight in the finale of the show. Which, I don't love that. On the other hand, I think there is something satisfying about knowing what she went through. About her, you know, hating herself so much because she didn't succeed. And then seeing her succeed was cool. Granted, she gets obliterated afterwards. But... At the very least, you got to see her have confidence in herself in a way that doesn't feel like she's bragging. 
which was satisfying. Like, I liked seeing her recognize that she's skilled without her having to, you know, without it being an ego fulfillment, you know? Um, plus, like you mentioned, she satisfies a lot of Shinji's kind of propeller. She's a lot of, she's like, she's very much like the internal, you know, the internal doubt, the internal voice of self-doubt for Shinji in a way. She says everything that Shinji doesn't want to say about himself. So there's that. Um, so I liked her role in the movie, but I'm annoyed how quickly it was resolved, especially because of how crazy interesting they kind of implied it to be with the whole thing. Like somehow it seems like her mom replaced her with a doll which is nuts. <laughs> I, I yeah. don't, that is just, that's such a small detail. They were, they uh, skipped over. Um, but like, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff I wish they'd done with her that they could have fixed, but she had a pretty decent role. Same, same thing goes kind of with Ray. I wish Ray was given more of a actual character resolve. Like her role in the movie feels very, like, I don't know. I don't know if you feel this way too, but, her role in the movie feels more like a resolve to the plot than it is a, pl- a resolve to her character. But she didn't really have a lot of character in the show. I think that was the whole point, was that she was kind of afraid to... Or she was freaking out because she didn't know... Or she didn't say freaking out. But she didn't really have, like, a person to change. So that kind of became, like, the conflict with her is because she wasn't really a, a person. Um, So I think maybe her story resolve kind of made sense, but, like, it she didn't have a lot to resolve so she didn't change a lot that being said i think she's probably the most consistent character in the movie because she didn't change she kind of she stayed this kind of character she was and i I guess that was kind of interesting what do you think dave anything about any thoughts about ray ayanami ray um i definitely think in this movie ray um was most like resolved out of any character um yeah 100 percent um with her kind of you know in the end bonding with with lilith um and it almost realizing her true potential realizing that she doesn't need um gendo in her life anymore realizing that she can be you know her own person she doesn't have to work you know for nerve anymore she can just be you know herself um I think that's super awesome. I think that out of any character in this series, she's probably the easiest to understand um, and and least complicated. And I think um, she's definitely very grounded. So I really like how they they gave at least one character a, a solid, definitive uh, ending to uh, their character arc. Sure. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the least confusing, though. Like, I mean, there is still some stuff that is a little odd. And I think it's more of her story. Oh, yeah. Like, what, what exactly is she? She's a robot made by Gendo, who also represents the, you know, the, the, the that mechanical system, the AI system that was used in the Avas to autopilot. She was that. But she was also a person. She's named after what shinji's name would have been if she was a girl so it's supposed to be a daughter but he does treat her kind of like his mom it's weird it's ray's Ray's role in the show is weird um but i'll admit yes i have to agree with you i think she's probably the most resolved of all the characters in, in the movie um uh so i think i want to talk a little bit about a character we did not talk a lot about in the last episode if you don't mind um and that's um the what's her name misato or 
Is that her name, right? Purple haired girl? Misato? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so someone pointed out something about her that there's a scene in this movie that kind of irked me, and I want to ask what your opinion is. That's, of course, the scene of her kissing uh, Shinji. Because her role in the show is kind of odd. We've talked a little bit, I talked a little bit about her character 180 in this show. But in this film, she's basically just, you know, a cool, badass military lady. So, what did you what did you think of that scene, David? What do you think her role is in the movie and the show? Like, what, what were your thoughts on her? Um, well, I obviously thought of her really up into that scene as like a a motherly figure for okay. Shinji. Um, and I, and I think a lot of people saw it as well. Um, and even really up to that scene, you know, she, she was a, a motherly figure, um, you know, guiding him. Yeah. And like um, talking him through his anger. And his yeah. 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 Trying, trying, trying to help him, um, you know, the best she could, but obviously she was very flawed as well. Um, dealing, dealing with her own problems daddy at the same time. Every in the show has daddy issues. Exactly, right. Um, so, if you haven't watched the movie, there is a kiss between Shinji and Misato. Oh, that so is a bit if weird. If you haven't watched this movie, why are you listening to this episode so far? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This would be a tough uh, so, one to watch uh, without having watched the movie. Right. Um, the kiss seems very weird um, and kind of uh, destroys any view of us seeing Misato as a motherly figure because it it, it it breaks the boundary between like a mother and a son right to becoming a more intimate relationship um which is a bit strange um but at the same time was Misato really ever a or, or supposed to be a motherly figure. I mean, yeah, because there's a couple episodes of the show where, yeah, I agree with you, because like a couple episodes of the show where they do kind of lean on it. I remember this episode of the show when Shinji, um, when Shinji was, you know, after, after um, the AI mode took over and you know destroyed the fourth Ava, um, or the third Ava, um, you know, he's sitting there on the bed and he's freaking out, and she kind of like puts her her hand on his and he freaks out. Like, she was trying to imply maybe she was going to try to satisfy him like that, but he freaked out. So there's a little bit of implication that she's not uh, not supposed to be a motherly figure. Um, yeah. You can continue. I yeah. Bring that point up. Yeah, I, I really don't think she she's supposed to be. Uh, it's really easy to see her as one, but I, I, I really don't think um, she is. Um, I, I think, in turn, she's more of a you know, an inspirational figure, um, someone who, you know, inspires Shinji um, to to help him be better, but obviously it doesn't really work. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think that scene was supposed to kind of destroy any expectations or destroy any perceptions that the series left for you. Like, you know, Shinji isn't good, and Misato is not a motherly figure at all, you know? Um, so, yeah, I don't know, Connor, what do you think? Sure. Yeah, um, I think, if I want to lean back into that theory I was talking about before, uh, since since uh, 
Misato is technically in in this in this theory would be uh, one of Shinji's teachers. Yeah, I think this kiss being kind of a fantasy is not a bad idea. Um, I, I, I think there's a part of me that really likes the way they portrayed her character because she's a leader. She's one of those more like mature and like, you know, strong rolled characters. Someone who has like a very powerful leadership role who has multiple facets to her personality and cares about Shinji in a way that Shinji doesn't believe he's cared for, which I like. That's a cool approach. And I think in this film, first of all, the fact that she actually gets a really cool action scene is awesome, where she kills those guards who are going to kill him. That was cool. And the fact that she kind of acted like a moral compass for him. That got completely negated because he freaked out right afterwards, which is annoying. But, like, the fact that her role was a little more intuitive and a little more caring for Shinji was, was cool. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, it's weird trying to figure out what exactly her role is because of that and yeah this was not a romance between her and Shinji that has never been the case that's like I can guarantee you that has not ever been an implication this is not about them it's the the closest relationship story in this is between Shinji and Asuka but even then that's I don't think that's meant to be the case I think the show's approach to relationships is that he doesn't think he's deserving of one so he wants one from everybody I think that's the idea they best want to run with. So, like, obviously this woman who almost is motherly to him, yeah, I'll see him. I'll see her as a relationship figure because I'm messed up inside and I don't really know what to think. I think that's the best way to approach it because if you think about it too long, it becomes like, as one of my friends pointed out, become very Freudian where it's like you want to do your mom because you're jealous of your dad and all that. Like, it's very strange. Um, you know, it's strange when you think about it like that. But I don't, if I'm going to be honest, I don't really think this main, like I said before, I don't think the, the showrunner is trying to imply that he wants to do his mom. <laughs> I, I really don't think that. Um, and then technically she dies off in the movie. They don't really see much of it, which is, you know, I, res- I respectable that they pull the killing a main character, but then everybody dies at the end. So who cares? <laughs> I don't know, man. This show's weird. <laughs> this movie's weird. Yeah. Um, so, do you want to talk uh, a should we, bit? Uh, yeah, go ahead. wrap up? Yeah, I was going to ask you, David, do you want to, do you want to discuss your final thoughts on the film as a whole? Um, because I, if I did it, I'd just talk about my theory. Like, my theory does give the movie a lot more weight in my eyes than I think it, uh, necessarily has on its own. But David, what do you think of the film? Sure. Um, for some final thoughts, um for this movie are just um it's 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 a trip um it's 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 confusing it's it's beautiful it's awesome it's it's i don't know it's it's so much and at the same time it's so little you know like it gives you such perspective, but at the same time, it, it almost, like, gives you nothing to, to work off of. Um, and what this movie um, represents to me is, like, the end of an era, almost. Um, as, you know, when I was watching this with my roommates, um, you know, this this was, like, the original 
you know, end goal, end plan. You know, we were like, okay, uh, I wanted to watch him Evangelion, but we had to watch the series first, right? So, you know, we watch a series, and then, you know, that next day, that, that night, you know, we all get together, and, you know, we watch the movie, right? And, you know, I could just, I could just, I can look back and picture myself now just, you know, sitting in my chair, looking at the TV um, with, uh, you know, Combs or Todd playing um, as the live action scene was flashing. And I, I was just, I was just so confused, but at the same time, like, I just, I loved every second of it, you know, like I, I knew it was pretentious. I knew it was deep. I knew it, it was something that I, I couldn't possibly process at that time. I, I, I didn't know if I could ever truly process everything that was there. Um, but I just loved every second of it. Right. And, you know, looking back, um, what the series, what the movie as a whole represents to me what it represents to you know people i watched it with right um you know sometimes we'll just be chilling playing music and then you know one of us will be like yo cue up combs or todd you know and we'll just be jamming to it and just be the three of us you know who really just understand it and uh can really appreciate the music um there's just so much to unpack you know you could spend hours you know days years uh analyzing the the neon genesis universe the expanded universe you study the the movies the the you know the 1.0 2.0 3.0 you know movies uh dissect the series but you're only going to get so much out of it um and I, I think it's really dependent on, you know, what state of mind you're in when you're going into it um, and, and just what what you kind of want to get out of it. So I, you know, highly recommend checking this out at, at some point, you know, in your life. Um, I, I definitely think that it, it's it's one of those series that if you're at a low point, in your life that you just, you just feel very hopeless. I, I think that is when you'll connect with this movie the most, because when you're at your lowest, nothing really makes sense. You know, you're just, you're grasping for, for really just anything at that point. And I think that's what this movie and series represents. You know, you just grasp me anything to, you know, dig yourself up out of this hole uh, it, it's something that you can relate to when nothing really makes sense. Um, and when nothing makes sense, this series makes sense. Um, so even if you're not, you know, at your lowest, because you don't really know when you're at your lowest, obviously, check, check this series out. It's, it's really good. Um, I think, you know, even if you didn't really resonate with this series slash movie, uh, the most, I think it's just one of those things that's going to really stick with you uh, just because of how different and, and unique it is as, as a movie and a series. That's why I wanted Connor to check it out um, because I, I, I know it's like nothing he's really ever experienced before. Um, I just think it's really awesome. I mean, John Steve Evangelion people. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not going to add anything to that. That was profound. So, uh, yeah. Um, go watch Evangelion if you haven't. If you, if you haven't, <laughs> why are you listening? <laughs> like, I mean, okay, I, I love that people, are, there's someone out there who's so willing to listen that they come and watch this episode without having seen the movie. But Jesus Christ, like, we come in, if you're sitting here and listening to this, you're just like, what are you saying? Like, are you talking about a drug trip you had once? And we're like, yes, it was called End of, End of Evangelion. But yeah, um, so you ready? You want to talk about some things that aren't Evangelion for a little? Sure. Uh, so how do you want to do it? You want to do old way or new way? Um, we can do new way. I just have everything besides a video game. Unless you want to keep talking about uh, talking about Metro Exodus or Metro yeah. Last Light. Metro Last Light. Um, I will throw to you, David, uh, a movie. Uh, we'll talk about a TV show. And we'll talk about a TV show that's not an anime. So you can talk about an anime if you'd like. But you, one of them has to not be an anime. Okay. Um, so, one movie, two shows? Yeah. Okay. Um, so my movie, um, so I've been re-watching, um, so I've never seen The Dark Knight Rises, so I've kind of just been re-watching the, the first two as a lead-up to Dark Knight Rises, um, so I will be recommending, um, Batman Begins, ha, huh, you thought I was gonna recommend The Dark Knight, ha, huh, no, I'm recommending Batman Begins um, because everyone recommends The Dark Knight, but I'm not going to. Um, Batman Begins, um, starring Patrick Bateman or Christian Bale. is his lesser known name. Gore the um, God Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Batman Begins uh, is, is really just like an, an origin story uh for batman i, I think it's pretty self-explanatory yeah, right. in the name <laughs> called batman begins right um and i really just could not help but compare this film to um the most recent the batman movie um and how like how different they are how like their approach to batman is so different um while christopher nolan's batman begins is you know more focused on um, the rise of Batman and like Batman overcoming his fears and um, learning how to you know be a vigilante and what that means you know in the in the world of Gotham um, him getting his start you know rocky beginnings um, you know that's okay while you know the Batman on the other hand is Batman has a more established start um, he's already well known around Gotham. Um, and it's him just doing really detective work. Um, so two very different movies, um, for both of them being kind of a introduction, put that in quotes, for the character of Batman. And, um, you know, I've, I've never really, I've, like I mentioned, I never, I've never seen, uh, Dark Knight Rises, but, um, from how things are going, uh, with the first two movies, um, this this trilogy, 
uh, represents the the rise and I'm assuming the inevitable fall of of Batman and uh, what what he wants for for his legacy as being uh, the caped crusader, right? Even even in the Dark Knight, um, he he references and talks about um, you know what he wants his legacy to be. Um, you know, when is he ever going to hang up his, his, his cape as, as Batman? So uh, I'm excited to see where that goes um, in Dark Knight Rises. But like I was saying, sorry, I've really gone off topic from Batman Begins. I'm really just talking about Batman in general right now. <laughs> you said you wanted, you said the suggestion was Batman Begins and you, and you know, you're shocking people that it wasn't Dark Knight, but then you started talking about Dark Knight. So like, no one knows what you're thinking I about know, anymore. I know, I know, I know. Um, Batman Begins. I'm sorry. Batman Begins um, is such a such a iconic Joker. I mean, oh dang, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, Ra's al Ghul, Scarecrow, um, they be some villains. Faux show, faux show. Um, honestly, not the biggest fan of uh, Ra's al Ghul. Not gonna lie. Um, He's a lot whiter because... than I remembered him being. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> um, I mean, outside of that, like just like his. His philosophy and, and plan is it doesn't really make much sense i mean i i get it's supposed to be like taking justice to an extreme but like he really has no reason to to do this besides like he wants to um i don't know it's it's a movie it like and i'm not saying that you should just like not watch it because this movie the Dark Knight only works because of this movie. Like, you can really only appreciate The Dark Knight if you watch Batman Begins. So I'm recommending Batman Begins so that you can enjoy The Dark Knight. That's what I'm saying. So wow. watch Batman Begins. This went from a suggestion <laughs> to a, okay, this movie is alright. Watch Batman. Watch Dark Knight instead. <laughs> yeah. Watch this so that you can watch a better movie. Wow. The, you started it off saying, oh, yeah, man, I'm so su- you'd be so surprised that it's not Dark Knight. And then you ended it saying, you should watch Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Batman Begins. Watch it. It's it's a movie. It's a movie. I'm waiting for your Batman Begins recommendation to begin, David. Yeah. All right. So shows. A show of any kind. Um, let me think. Mm, okay um i am going to be recommending one piece um because there is a pretty big pretty big thing is going on right now in one piece um that i don't know uh, I don't even know if I can. I don't. I don't even know if I can be recommending this right now, only because the big events that are going on in One Piece, in the manga, aren't really going on in the anime. And this is a show recommendation, so I'm just gonna count it anyways. So, One Piece, um, big things going on. Um, the Wano arc is finally coming to a conclusion after like i don't know four years um so this has kind of been a pretty long arc so i'm pretty excited to see where the series is going next um since it's just been so long uh in in this one arc in particular and um you know just it, just like in luffy's uh 
progression as a character and his progression throughout the series. Honestly, um, with with what's going on, I can I can see One Piece ending in the next three to four years. Um, I, I, we're actually at that point uh, in in the series that I to to say three to four years like that seems like a while, but the series has been going on for over twenty years, so you know things are you know coming to a conclusion. Um, only a couple more arcs is 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 what I'm thinking in the horizon. Now I could be totally wrong and one piece, one piece can be going on for another 20 more years. I don't know, but from what's going on, I, I think that Luffy is, um, a whole lot closer to reaching his goal of becoming King of the Pirates. Um, but has he found, so, has he found the one piece yet? No, he hasn't found the one piece yet, but he's definitely getting a lot closer what to if- it. What if the twist is that the One Piece is literally just a One Piece swimsuit that they got at like J.C. Penny? That would be scary. You know, all this time I'm a you pro- know, I've been I'm walking. a proponent of the the uh, most difficult questions have the simplest answers, and I think that must be it. Maybe, maybe we will see. We will see. Um, yeah, which is why I'm recommending it to tell you to hop on that One Piece train before it ends. So you're not spoiled. When it does come out, you'll be like one of the first people to know. You'll be like, oh my god, I'm so glad I listened to David and got onto One Piece before it ended so I wasn't spoiled so I could find out myself. Watch One Piece before it ends. Do you truly believe that someone could watch all million episodes of that show before this elusive ending is going to come up? Yes. I, I, I mean, like I said, there's another like three to four years. You can easily catch up in three to four years. Hmm. Whatever you say. Um. All right, and another show and that's not an anime. Yeah. Um, I started watching this one show for some reason. I was just bored out of my mind, and I was just like going through HBO Max. Um, called Close Enough. It's it's probably the same people who made, um, a regular show. Oh, I've heard but of it's it. like yeah. for adults. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like it's like adult regular show. Um, it's basically about like these this couple um, who are like in their thirties, um, kind of just like living life, but like you know weird things happen. Um, kind of like that regular show, kind of like formula to it, um, but it's just about people in their thirties and like like it, it's like that balance between like like I'm not really young enough to like go clubbing or go partying but at the same time not like old enough to just like sit around and do nothing with my life you know so like they're they're riding the balance between you know being too old or being too young right um which i think is interesting has a lot of dynamics you know they're young parents they're trying to figure out their way in the world in the in the 21st century in 2022 um, is, is what I'm assuming it's taking place in because there are a lot of guys with man buns. Um, so, yeah. Check it out if you're really bored and you just want something to watch that's funny and reminds you of a regular show. Uh, yeah, those are my suggestions. Golly. All right. Um, new Way World by Connor? New Way. I can do it. All right. Um... I would like 
a song by a female pop artist and a movie that came out in 1999 and a movie that won best picture in 2014. <laughs> okay, so you want Birdman. <laughs> alright. You could have just said Birdman. <laughs> okay, alright. We'll start I'll start at the beginning. Okay. A song by a female pop artist. Well, as tempted as I am to just do like Fleetwood Mac, I guess you want something more contemporary pop. Yeah. So I'll suggest Michelle Branches everywhere. Uh, it's 2000s. Uh, I don't... The thing is, to me, right? Like, pop pop music is weird because, like, it really does depend on the artist and the song. It can still be about the shallow, poppy things, and it can still sound like a generic pop song, but there's just something about good pop songs that, like, just take you inexplicably. Um, Michelle Branch is everywhere, though admittedly is kind of transcended the generic pop trends. I believe it was even before the the wave of optimistic pop view stuff. I believe that trend is called poptimism. Before that even became a thing. So, it, I'm almost cheating, but I like Michelle Branch is everywhere. I think it's a really, it's a really, like, bop song, one of the songs you can only listen to, and you're just kind of, like, vibing with it. You know, you could like, pump your arm and, you know, sing it really loud. I do really enjoy it. Um, I just recently started re-listening to it. I haven't listened to it in years. But it's a pretty good song. I mean, it's nothing revolutionary. Like, literally nothing revolutionary. There's nothing about this that screams in any way that it's interesting or different. But it's enjoyable. Um, I think, for a pop song, especially in the 2000s, I think it did far more than it needed to. Um, but it was good. I liked it. It was a good song. Um, I don't have much cool. to say because it's a pop song. Anyways, cool. a movie from 1999. Yeah. So you're gonna, I'm gonna, here's what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna, as I'm sitting here installing, I'm going to look and see what 1999 films I've seen in a while. I'm not gonna look through my log because I'll never find it. But is there a 99 film that I've watched recently that I could talk about? Uh, the most recent 99 film I saw is Green Mile. So we'll talk about Green Mile. So Green Mile is uh it was one of the best picture nominees uh essentially it's based on a stephen king book which movies based on stephen king i'm kind of hesitant about because it can either go really well or really poorly because stephen king's style is so distinct it can be amazing like movies like stand by me and the shining uh though admittedly i hear the shining is nothing like the book uh and then there's ones that are just the worst thing ever um so it's kind of like the you have to ride the line uh, Green Mile is weird, though, because Green Mile is not like a Stephen King book. Uh, essentially, it's about a... Uh, pri- it, the Green Mile is essentially the strip in prison that leads to death row. Uh, and it's about this prison guard who works on death row. And when this this guy who comes in, who's alleged for... Who's, who's going to be sentenced to death for raping and murdering kids. Um, it's essentially about this guy talking with this this guy who's on who's essentially sent to death and sentenced to death and you kind of learn more about the story you learn more about him as a person and it, it, it's very loosely story driven 
the movie's approach to storytelling is extremely laid back, um, which is not very Stephen Kingy. Like the it kind of just lets the characters interact and do things as the story kind of as like the inevitable time of his death comes closer and closer. And it's a pretty well done movie, but not immune to the the things that bug me about Stephen King. Like actually, if anything, I think this movie in particular would be better if it weren't a Stephen King story. If it were written by anybody else, it would have been better. There's this weird kind of fantastical element to the story. Like, there's this magic element, which is bizarre, that I just, just dumb, I don't like it. There's a, there's a weirdly large amount of time spent dealing with a mouse, which I think is really stupid. But the heartfelt moments of this movie hit pretty well. Uh, there's a lot of touching moments, and the lead, played by Tom Hanks, is great. And especially the guy on Death Row, played by Michael Clark Duncan, he's phenomenal in this movie. He is so good. Um, so performance-wise, and I think the way the film is, like, the way the film's made is not bad, but the script kind of is the biggest problem. It's It tiptoes on the line of, like, not quite heavy enough and too heavy way too often. So ultimately, I'm kind of like, why'd you bother, you know? Like, why did you decide to play around with this light tone when the movie is so dark? So, I don't know, it's very iffy. Also, it's three hours long. So watch it, you know, watch it your own will because it's long. But and it, it didn't also it did not need to be that long. I think that's another big problem. They could have cut 30, even 40 minutes out of this movie and you wouldn't have lost a lot because it's so loose on the story. But it's a pretty well done movie and I did enjoy it. I just don't love it. Um, it's, a, it's an all right, pretty solid. And I, I would recommend it if you haven't watched it because it's a good one to check out if you haven't seen it. But I don't love it. It's Green Mile. It's good. And so the best picture winner from 2014, so Birdman. You want me to talk about Birdman? <laughs> I'll talk about Birdman. I believe that's 2014, correct? Or is that, that's not 2015. That's 2014. Um, I'm trying to think, like, what else would it be? Um, yeah, Birdman's 2014. Let's talk about 2014. Birdman is a great, great, great movie. It's very well done. Uh, it's not my favorite movie from 2014, because Kingsman came out that year. Or did it? Point is, not my favorite. But I enjoy Birdman quite a bit. I think it's it excels at being a movie that was made with a really clear vision. And the way that it executes that is really unique. Uh, if you don't know what it's about, Birdman's about a actor who's kind of struggling. He wants to... He has a stage play that he wants to succeed. But ultimately, he's an actor who has long passed his prime and is just trying to get by with his artistic vision in mind. But he's essentially, he's no longer in a world that represents what he wants to be part of. Like the, the, the changing mediums and the changing focuses on entertainment have kind of left him behind. And he's just trying to make art in the way he wants to make it, but no one wants that art. No one really wants it. Um, and it's done kind of like with 1917, where it's done with long continuous takes. Um, with obviously like it's not 100 percent like 1917 because the cuts are a little more obvious but they do a lot of really long takes which i think is very impressive um there's a lot of really impressive moments when they do that plus they do a great job of still making the visuals pretty like i was i would worry it'd become like a you know visual mess but it looks pretty good but the selling point of the movie isn't going to be those technical things it's really just how well they sell the whole like the portrayal of this dude right 
the whole kind of like midlife uh, midlife crises type thing the old people trying to admit the fact that they're old or not wanting to admit the fact that they're old I think this movie does a really good job of it and especially how much it infuriates people around him like Emma Stone plays his daughter who's trying desperately to get him to grow up and or not grow up but like to stop being so stubborn and the way she freaks out at him like the way he she targets him is really really well done um there's really great inter inter character moments um edward norton's in it as one of the actors in his play and he's really great in it there's a lot of like there's a lot of stupid joke moments that i think work really well in this movie because it just perfectly iterates just how not acquainted uh the main character is to the world around him anymore um there's a lot of great moments like that and i i do enjoy this quite a bit um i don't think it deserved best picture mainly because 2014 was such a good year like it was one of the best years of the decade in terms of movies but i i still greatly appreciate this movie and i think it stands on its own very well as one of those movies that just encapsulates how to perfectly how to perfectly execute a vision you know it's a really well done movie um I got a lot more content out of that than I expected. I was basically expecting to say Birdman good. I haven't watched it in a while, but <laughs> but it was good. Um, cool, cool. Yeah, so um, that's about all I've got. David, do you have anything else? I do not. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. We do greatly appreciate you guys checking in with us. Um, I'm noting the response to Think Stinks. I'm debating how we're going to approach it in the future, but I do appreciate you guys you know, listening in regardless. Um check us out on instagram what's that smell underscore you thinking again in case we miss an episode um i've been connor this has been david and thank you for listening to yet another episode of the podcast that we entitle david what's that smell you thinking again